Derek Chauvin, I know you're not listening, but I just want to if I just want to put this sentiment out there if it reaches you somehow. And I know you're going through a lot right now. Um, I just want to let you know that I hope that you get beat to an inch of your life uh, every day until uh, until the day you die. And that's that's it there. Yeah, I think that's a good place to start it. Uh, is this a friend of yours? Mm, he was, yeah. Okay. Uh, also, right. unironic uh, trigger warning, uh, because I do want to talk fully about the movie that we're going to watch, and like some things might aff- like affect people. So just just a little warning for you. You uh, this this movie was a little bit out of pocket, as the kids say. Yeah. Not really sure what uh, what he what the director meant by this one, to be quite honest. Well, I'll tell you. Don't worry. All right. Okay. Good. What movie are we talking about? We're talking about Cannibal Holocaust. And this when is... you explain it, can you just like wake up a bit? I'm. A... <laughs> When you wake, a, when you explain it, can you just sound <laughs> like you haven't been wage cucking? Look, guys, I've been working for. I just finished my forty-hour week. Uh, and let me tell you, that shit is hell. <laughs> Why in the goddamn hell would you subject yourself to half of your waking life doing something that you don't really like that much? Did you know? Yeah. Uh that statistically women have been more unhappy after entering the workforce i wonder why uh because because they get uh you know i mean you've seen the office right yeah because they're wage cooking and it sucks yeah you know is it ideal not but you know what it's a living and we all have to pull our weight in this economy Hey, do something that you hate for the rest of your life or be poor. Hmm. Alright. Well, you know what? Um, contribute to society or be poor. How about that? Yeah. How does that Ep- sound? Epic. Th- that's epic? That's epic. It's... Look, Lucas, I don't expect you to... It's really yeah. contributing to society when you're wearing that little red leaf um, costume waving at cars. That guy is a is a champion, uh, the, a, a trooper. He's you know what he he's doing the he's doing a service, okay? Canada Tax Service. That's helping millions of people with their taxes or something, you know. Yeah, it's helping millions of Canadians do a job that a computer uh, could do. Uh, that the government. Well, could just you know do. what? Why don't you just why don't we give all jobs to computers then? Well, not all of them, but uh, you know, little little beep boop pop. Beep. Okay, we owe you money. Beep. Here you go. Look, we're not here to talk about uh, your, you know, your hot takes on why everyone should stop going to work and should should just start, you know, just sit with their dick in their hand doing nothing all day. <laughs> Cranking the pecker. We're here to talk about a goddamn movie. What movie? We'll, 
Oh, you know what movie? Shit. We already I know. said the we already said the title. Why don't you give us? Why don't you give a quick rundown of what the hell this movie's about? Okay, while I do that, you take a quick nap. How about that? Okay. All right. Um. So basically, uh, this movie was released in 1980, I believe. Uh, Italian film, I also believe. I'm running off of memory here, so if it's wrong, sorry. Um, let's just say other things that could be wrong. Directed by a cow. Uh, no. Anyways. Um, <laughs> basically, the premise of the movie is these four or five... I don't know what you'd call them. Documentarists? I don't, what would you call them? Uh, do, uh, documentists? Filmmakers? I don't know. These four, uh, whatever. Let's, let's call them what they are. These four jagoffs go off in These the bush. These four jagoffs go off in the bush. They are looking for a hot scoop of these uh, two rivaling indigenous tribes in Africa, with which both have very primitive and ancient rituals uh they go missing in the jungle and this guy and two uh guidesmen uh take along with them to go find what they hope uh is either them or the rest of them um deep in the jungle and i don't know should i go deeper than that no because that's basically it you yeah. know, it's a, it's per, you know what, for people who are a fan of the found footage genre, this is a movie you've kind of seen before because this is really one of the mm-hmm. first found footage movies. It has some beats and paths that have definitely been copy and pasted, um, which I can get into later. But for the, there was like, in terms of like storyline, it's pretty unique. Yeah, so basically, the movie, and we should talk about the structure of the movie, because it's, it's a bit different. Basically, the first half of the movie follows this pro- pro- NYU professor as he attempts to recover um, the missing filmmakers, these, mm-hmm. young, these young men and women led by director Alan Yates. Um, eventually, he finds that it's not a rescue mission, but uh, just a recovery mission for the film they left behind, because they got eaten by cannibals. Yeah. Um, so then it, it, it like, so that's the first half of the film. And then the second half of the film is after he returns to New York, he's grappling with these television executives who want to make a sensationalized, um, documentary editing the footage together, uh, from their expedition. Um, and the professor is vehemently against it because the footage is awful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then basically this is our that's the framework for us to watch most of this film. The film within the film is called the Green Inferno. Yeah, Wait, uh, he then uh, the director released uh, a movie called the Green Inferno later on. I'm pretty sure, but yeah, then like the second half, the first half of it is like a document, like a documentary, and then the second half it basically turns into a found footage film. Yes, exactly, and that's. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting, it's an interesting film structure, but I kind of had problems with it. And okay. then the big thing for me here is that I felt, and I and I'm sure a lot of people feel that, and I and I think maybe this is one thing that the found footage genre did better. Moving on from this, 
is a kind of and and I can respect this take because this is breaking new ground, but it it has this kind of uh, to me the framework with the professor is sort of awkward, um, and almost feels unnecessary. And a lot of the thematic elements of the film are really just conveyed best when you just watch what's happening in the Green Inferno, which is the film within the film. Hmm. It feels to me. I think the first the second half is better than the first half. Because it has, because in my opinion, the Green Inferno is much better than the earlier stuff, which feels like set up to eventually get to this one, you know, 30 to 40 minute segment. That's the key piece of the story. I don't know if it's because he knew the movie was going to be so controversial, because this is a pretty controversial movie. The director actually got arrested after the premiere on obscenity charges. Uh, in Italy and then he was later charged with the murder of the actors because people assumed and this was see this is Blair Witch before Blair Witch people assumed that what they saw was real yeah because because the it is pretty it is fairly realistic footage um, that is depicted here so we should talk about the controversy I guess I feel like that was a way to sort of mitigate the controversy is especially if you have the characters within the film look down upon what's happening in the film. Um, I don't know how. I don't I think that's the point of it. I don't. Th- I don't think that's the point of it, but I think that's a reason why this decision was made. Because I, I really don't see why the conclusions that the characters watching the Green Inferno in this film come to cannot be made by the audience themselves. Uh, do you want me to explain why I think that is? Sure. Okay, I think the point of well, not the point, but one of the narrative the narrative of this movie is anti sensationalism, mm-hmm. um, and it reminded me a lot of I don't know if you've seen the movie. Have you seen Natural Born Killers? I have not. That is uh, that's with Woody Harrelson. I think that's is that written by Tarantino or yeah. is he involved in it? He yeah. wrote it. Um, that movie and this movie both um, in Natural Born Killers, it's also filming a sensationalist director mm-hmm. uh, or filmmaker and who's played by Robert Downey Jr. Um, and the point of both the movies, they both have like an anti-sensationalist feel while being anti I mean, while being sensationalist themselves. And it's kind of a like catch 22 situation because um i don't really think that you can have a poignant anti-sensationalist message without the the content being sensationalist to have some sort of point so i think the second half of the movie is really just taking a piss at sensationalism um because we see the lengths that some people will go to in the eighties, I guess was a message of what lengths will go to, to get famous. Cause we see that the young filmmakers main goals really are to just make money and they'll do anything, even building false narratives. Like as we see later on, well, we can get into that later, I guess what the, what the young filmmakers were doing, but it, it's kind of like gross um, what the lengths that people will do now to get famous. And then we see that echoed with the 
uh, with the heads of this TV studio who are just like, we'll just film this footage live and you'll react to it live. Like, man, I wonder what could go wrong there. Uh, uh, like they, they don't give a fuck either. It's just what will make them, what will make them money. Remember when they were like, wait, what if we open Al Capone's vault um, <laughs> live on TV? Yes, and, what could go wrong? And there was fucking nothing on in it. Yeah. It was... <laughs> That's kind of what's happening here, I suppose. Um, I don't know. There's, I, there's parts of this movie that I enjoy quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. And I'll start with the acting, which I enjoy quite a bit. Okay. And it's and it's it's the way I, I'm going to talk about this film. It's almost dis- two distinct pieces, you know. Um, it kind of in the vein, not very similar in the vein, but in in it kind of reminded me just in the the stark division of the two halves of like Full Metal Jacket, where it's all linked thematically, but it's you know two separate things going on mm-hmm. for an hour. Um, I like the acting uh, from the professor, whose name I should grab. Um, who's it? Who's uh, he plays a sort of jolly. Initially, he plays a sort of jolly professor, tooting on his pipe all the time. Yeah. And then he he heads into the bush with this crocodile Dundee looking guy. Uh, he's great. He's great as like the the rough and tumble character that's yeah. addicted to cocaine. He's sort of he's pretty funny in that role. Um, let me see here. Just hold on a second. I, well, I for sure don't remember his name because I can't remember that shit. The prof- like the character's name or the actor's name? <laughs> the professor's name. It's Harold Monroe. Right. Yeah, yeah. Played by Robert Kerman. Um, I actually found out that uh, he is actually a porn actor almost entirely. Hmm. Uh, which I thought was funny. I don't know. It was just interesting to me that he got cast in this. He's, he basically just did porno and cannibal films, which is not a bad career uh, trajectory. He was also in Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. What? Yeah. Which uh, one? The first one. Where? He's like He plays a sea captain. Oh, shit. It's like, do you remember the scene where like they're like, hey, when you mess with us yeah, New yeah, Yorkers... Yeah. You mess with all of us. I can picture it. And uh, he's he has like a beard or something. I don't know. But yeah. he's, basi- he's basically only made perfect films in his whole life, <laughs> uh, except for maybe this one. This one, this one is you know give or take a couple bags of popcorn here and there. Um, he does a pretty good job. His character is not like very well developed. He's just a decent man uh just trying to do the right thing um i don't particularly like the tv executives um in Hmm. this film in this film and the reason is because they feel they feel a bit on the nose and i understand acting or writing i guess well i they a little bit of both i suppose because they feel very like they're very obviously very gung-ho about this thing. They they feel like a caricature almost of of these film producers. And I want to talk about and we'll talk about this later. And I want to talk about the last like 20 minutes of the movie which I did not enjoy aside from the Green Inferno per- portion. 
But a big part of the my problem with this movie just lies in the fact that it it feels like it doesn't treat the audience with a lot of intelligence, in my opinion. It just feels like the stuff that is explained in this film doesn't need to be explained, and, and that's to the detriment of the film because, you know, it, it becomes so very on-the-nose and very sort of, I don't know, um, like just unsubtle. Sorry, do you yeah. have an example? For example, I the last 20 minutes it basically this is the whole tv executive portion of the film in which he he grapples with the executives not to put to put this footage out it's it to me it doesn't it comes off very awkward because we obviously know that the conclusion to this is that he's right and that these tv executives have no idea what they're doing mm-hmm. and then I'll and I'll jump right into the end scene in the end scene he says well you guys haven't seen this portion of footage and you need to see this portion of footage before you decide to air it. And TV execs say, okay, um, we're going to watch it. And they watch it. And this is towards the end of film. And we see what happens to the four. And, of course, horrible, disgusting things happen to them. And through while, this, while they are watching the Green Inferno and while we are watching the Green Inferno, it cuts back to these executives. And you see them, like, gasping and, like, looking astonished. And it feels very hackneyed. It, I don't know. It just felt so corny to me. Like, it wasn't authentic enough. That's something we can react to as an audience ourselves. I understand that, you know, by having the executives here, there to react in the manner that the audience would react and probably did react at that time, considering the sentiments that people have towards this movie, that we understand that, the idea at hand it doesn't need to be pushed any further and then you know they get to the point where at the end of the scene they he calls up the um the projectionist and then what i assume is meant to be sort of a poignant line he says you need to just burn this film mm-hmm. to me it it was i don't know it just felt inauthentic it it felt a little i don't know a little cheap yeah, you know what? Yeah. I, to- I I can totally agree with that. Okay, good. I I'm I'm glad because I I I don't want to be alone on this. I want somebody else to feel me, bro. Did yeah, no. feel? Yeah, jaw definitely feel. Um, I didn't I didn't mind the uh the burn it line that like we've seen that so many times. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Have a burn it line. Um, what really pissed me off, and then I want to get on a, another point unless you have something you want to talk about um what like the thing that i hated the most in this movie was at the end when he was like who are the real cannibals <laughs> i was like are you like fuck off man that was that like, was could you imagine in parasite if he was like who are the are the rich people the parasites because they're dependent on the poor and like uh christ it's- it's 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 like that joke people make where it's like the real journey was the friends we make along the way. Yeah, and it's like that line that's so cliche and corny. There's no way that they put it in, but they very much put that line in. We didn't need that. I would have, and I don't mind the final shot where he just kind of leaves the building exasperated. He pops his pipe in again. He walks out. We didn't need to have that that silly little line asking who are the real cannibals. And, and the line the, doesn't even make sense. I, it it doesn't. And I mean, well, I sort of understand the idea of the line, which is 
to say that I guess the executives and such are cannibals in the sense that they are profiting off other people's misery and demise, so they're sort of feeding off them in that kind of way. That's but such it's, a cope. I'm I'm helping I'm helping out this movie, man. I know um, they're coping. But it was it was it was a little bit silly, I have to say. I hated that so much. Like as soon as you said that, I was like, "Man, fuck you!" <laughs> it's just, I, I don't know. But there, I'm, that's not to say there is not poignant like social commentary in this. Supposedly, the director Ruggiero Diodato um, sort of wrote this film as a reaction to the media coverage on the Red Brigades, which was this terrorist, this series of terrorist attack in yeah. Italy in the 70s and 80s. So I, and there are some good examples, and particularly the stuff involved in the process of filmmaking, uh, the little group that Alan Yates heads up. Um, I did enjoy, for example, when they show a very poignant docu- documentary um, called The Last Road to Hell. In, mm-hmm. And they watch this document. They watch the portion of this documentary, and even even as a movie within a movie, this is it's fairly well directed. And one of the things that I enjoyed, and it sets up what we see later on in the Green Inferno, is that you find out that a lot of the executions in that video were staged. Yeah, and and it's and it's that kind of idea that still endures to this day. Because that's not to say that all documentaries have. Uh, some you know insincere elements or anything but you have to understand that sensationalism and sensationalist document documenting um will always you know be more popular than you know maybe a mundane truth or such so i thought that was an interesting idea and he conveyed that very well and i do really like the escapades that happen within the green inferno and i think the acting in that in that mini film is is very good uh, besides some odd moments from one of uh, the actors in the film, there was a, she had a few odd. Oh, line she was delivers. bad. She had some. She had some rough stuff in there. Uh, mm-hmm. b- but the rest of the cast as well. Um, in the movie, within the movie, uh, was there something you wanted to touch on before we talk? I don't know. Like a, I was, I wanted to get into the Green Inferno movie specifically. Uh yeah, you you can. I just wanted to talk about uh, the effects. Uh, which I really, really admired. Yes, the effects are quite good. This is a, I would agree. Yes. Yeah, like what it. I I also was thinking of another movie while I was watching this. I thought of when we went to go see Brightburn. Right. And I hated that movie, um, <laughs> because a lot of the gore in that movie was so over the top and it was almost like a set piece where the whole point of the scene was just to get a gory payoff and mm. everyone goes oh yuck oh yucky and it was just like you see a girl's eyes dangling out of her head and like a stop sign will smash through her skull and like it was just like that sort of stuff is like I don't know, like kitsch horror. I know that sounds super. Uh, what's the word? <laughs> well, it's it's just it's just the sort of exploitation crap. Yeah. That you know, Siskel and Ebert would say this has to stop. I don't know if they actually said. I don't actually know about that. I just thought that was funny that that was in They Live, but that's like exactly the kind of thing where it's 
it's gore for the sake of hey let's look at some gore yeah and in this movie it like truly is horrifying now i went into this movie i first heard about it in an english class in high school because my uh teacher for that class uh was a bit of a kinophile and i forget the context in which he brought this up but he talked about how there was this movie that was banned in the 80s and you had to go on 80s pirating sites i can only imagine how terrible those were uh to download <laughs> cannibal holocaust and I was like, man, this movie sounds amazing. And he said that everything in it was fake. And I went into this movie, like, everything in this movie is practical effects. And I was watching in this movie, there are, I think, six or eight animal death scenes. And I was watching them, I'm like, wow, that is very convincing. Um, and then there's a scene where they hack a, a tarantula in half. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that was a, a tarantula. But tarantulas are so lacking in personhood that nobody gives a fuck when uh, an insect is uh, killed for the sake of a movie uh, i would yeah. say that there's probably a net gain in happiness from seeing a yucky spider killed um and then there's this very very long scene of them killing a turtle and i was like oh okay i could see how that was real i mean how that was how that was done just lots of you know, cow guts and a bunch of other practical effects. But I was like, wow, that's a really odd attention to detail. I kept watching, I kept watching. And then I, I was like, that seems, these seem real. I looked up and yes, they are all real animal deaths in the movie. They, they killed all of the animals for the movie. Uh, the director said that that is the only aspect of the film that he regrets. Um, I don't know if it's because it, he thinks that, that it's wrong to kill animals or he thinks that it's just like an easy way to gross people out. I'm not really sure. Um, and I, I I didn't mind it. Like, I liked it in the context of the movie because it's... The whole movie is really primal. I, I know it's just like a silly buzzword, but it, it, it really is. Like, it's dirty. There's just this... Everything about it isn't flattering. Like, you see a lot of naked men and women but it's never flattering it's never supposed to be sexy um the, you see there's a, there's also um a great and i usually don't say this a, a great sex scene in this film yeah and the, reason, and the reason it's great is because it's not sexy at all and yeah. it's and it's actually kind of horrifying and I'm not talking about the rape scenes. I'm talking the about the consensual sex scene yeah. between Alan Yates and his girlfriend Faye Daniels. Mm -hmm. um, but continue. Anyways, um, getting back, to, yeah, like everything is shot just so unflattering, like in a way that is not very flattering. And uh, tell Kirby to shut up. Oh, can you hear him? Yeah. <laughs> Hi, stupid idiot. <laughs> Kirby, right. shut up. <laughs> um yeah everything's shot in a way that is just it's so real but going back to the effects the practical effects on this are like great and like a lot of the times when watching a movie because like practical effects are pretty much magic tricks i was thinking man how did they do this like there's this one scene where this girl is shown naked and there's a stake driven through her whole body coming out her mouth and I was like, man, how the hell did they do that? 
Like, it is really impressive. There's lots of... I'm sure they use real skulls. There's a lot of, like, skulls in this movie, and they looked really good. Uh, I know that, like, fake skulls weren't really mastered until later on, and that's why it is fact that in rides in the past, like at Disneyland or whatever, they had real skulls. But, it's like, the gore is all done really well and super convincing. Um, I, I loved all the effects in this. It is, yeah. and 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 I see why people... And I can see why people at the time were thinking that this was real, because especially because there's just straight up real animal deaths in this, mm-hmm. which which I'm obviously gonna condemn, but I won't take that as a mark against the film. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. That's exactly how I feel. It was interesting though. I wanted I for as a little note, um, the actors of this film hated that stuff. Um, the Harold Monroe, the Robert Kerman who played Monroe. When they killed one of the monkeys, mm-hmm. he stormed off the set, um, and and there was a couple times where in like in the Green Inferno, the actors in real life started throwing up because they couldn't handle what they saw in real life. Yeah, I, like I don't, I wouldn't mind it as much. Like for example, in Apocalypse Now, near the if this is a spoiler for anyone, I mean jump ahead i guess but near the near the end of apocalypse well pretty much at the end of apocalypse now there's a scene where a cow is like gets his head hacked off mm-hmm. and i am morally fine with that because they were filming it they were just filming the ritual being performed like if the camera was there or not that cow was dying mm-hmm. um and with the monkey they ate its brain, so you could argue that the monkey was going to be eaten regardless if they were there or not. But the other deaths, it's like they they just straight up, they they just killed the animal for the sake of the movie. Which I'm not condemning artistically. Like, I'm not going to, you know, like you said, I'm not going to hate the movie more because of that. But I don't, I don't agree with it, like, outside yeah. of the movie. Yeah, it was it was a bit over the top, but it it does lend a certain quality. You're right, a certain primal quality to the film, mm-hmm. and that's and that's sort of another big theme of the film is just like civilization uh, versus civilization versus you know um, non civilization. I guess it's well, kind of well ancient civilization. Yeah, it's kind of treading territory that I I I'll I'll say that this movie treaded that balance and that thematic territory better than the gods must be crazy, which I actually wanted a little bit more from in that regard. Mm -hmm. But the movie to, to me, the movie is shines in the green inferno portion. I'd like to talk about it. You have the, you have these four. um, So you have Alan Yates, his girlfriend, uh, Faye Daniels, and then his, to crewmen Mark Tomaso and Jack Andrews and Felipe and you get Felipe and he guides them through the forest or the jungle and I like seeing and I like this movie number one I like the way that through the film um, the filmmakers are depicted as more and more despicable mm-hmm. and it was a nice shock because uh, one of the setups for the film yeah, or the, for the Green Inferno film is that when Dr. Harold Monroe is going through the jungle and seeing the trail that they've left. He wonders, what have they done to incur the wrath of the natives like this? Yeah. Because the assumption here is that the natives would not just kill them for no reason. And you see what, and you see eventually in the Green Inferno what happens. 
they attempt to stage a massacre uh, by bur- by forcing a bunch of villagers in a hut and burning it down. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a horrifying, there's a horrible, horrible rape scene where this uh, they just grab this random native woman and take turns raping her. Yeah. Uh, and Faye, Faye tries to step in, but they they cast her aside. Um, and there's even an imp- there's a big inc- implication from um, f- a bit the the implication in the film uh, from the lady who had who was impaled Vlad the Impaler style after she has been raped by the crew. Uh, it seems to be that they staged that just so they could get that in the film because Alan Yates's reaction is so manufactured. Uh, and yes. so forced, which was which was like a little. It it was it was bordering the lie there, where it was a little over the top, and like okay, we know that he did this. Well, and then but, it was so funny because he was like, "Dude, it's rolling, like the film's on," and then he's like, "Oh my god, this is so horrifying." This must be some kind of uh, punishment for loss of virginity. Wow, I can't believe they did this. Yeah. Um. So that's good. That stuff is great. The effects are great, especially in this film. It has this really great. And you know what? It's it it truly is a great piece of like mockumentary or not mockumentary, but like fake documentary mm-hmm. because everything in the film feels very authentic. Uh, the acting from the crew, for the most part, is good. Alan Yates is the big, um, the big player here. He's played by Gabriel York, and he has this sort of like a twenty-something um, man against the world, but he's also kind of crazy and psychopathic and does whatever he wants vibe about him that works very well for me uh, and he was a good centerpiece of the movie i found um francesca ciardi apologies for the pronunciation plays faye daniels she has she's really up and down for me because she has a few really wonky line deliveries but mm-hmm. there's a few scenes where i think she's pretty exceptional in her depiction of grief and horror and stuff so she was like a very mixed bag for me between very good and like very substandard, and Mark Tommaso and Jack Anders uh, were also a nice accoutrement to the rest of you know to round out the cast of the film. Mm-hmm. But the narr- but the narrative is interesting just because it it initially starts out with these people, um, and you as the film goes on, you see that they they don't really know what they're doing, that they're very f- uh, fame oriented, and that's all they really care about. Um, and that they really do not have any concern or any sort of social activism um, beliefs that are genuine and that they're merely doing this for an There's a point where um, they're shooting at natives, and this was another great portion of the film, and it was a, like a sort of great line and scene hand-in-hand sort of moment, is when they're shooting at these natives um, so that uh, supposedly they could follow them to their village, and while they're shooting at him, one of them yells, "We could get an Oscar for this." Mm-hmm. And, and there's a nice, I thought that was a nice little touch there. And that's the sort of socially conscious filmmaking that I liked in this. My only problem, my big pro- my problem overall is that I felt that the film sort of straggled the line between very competent social commentary and stuff that was a little bit ham-fisted. Like near the end, you're talking about. Yeah, near the end, especially, and mostly the stuff with the TV executives. And Harold Monroe's uh, disputes with them and such. You know what I liked a lot about this movie? Uh, that it has lots of blood and uh, boobies in it. Yeah, I love that. Uh, I really liked 
the it wasn't huge, but I loved the soundtrack. I'm gonna agree, and there's a certain theme. There's a certain like it's not even a theme. I guess it's a theme. That it's plays. a theme, yeah. It's like it's the main theme of the film, I think. Um, and it's uh, and it's just this like sort of synth, this this very deep synth noise that plays, and it sort of pulsates whenever we're seeing witnessing some sort of something horrifying in the jungle. And it's really great. The whole score is great. It's not a, it's not a particularly like. You hear that theme many times, mm-hmm. but it's it's used effectively. I was actually uh, interested to find out about the uh, film composer. I found out that he also composed the uh, the score for Drive and Django Unchained. So he was still working hmm. fairly recently. He passed in twenty fourteen. His name was Riz Ortolani, but um, he 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 def- I would say the score is one of the highlights of the film for sure. Yeah, and like the movie opens up just on the theme and it's like this really happy song that they kind of just juxtapose all the time but it works pretty much every time and it was stuck in my head for the rest of the night um the movie just starts off with like just cameras like swooping over the jungle and then you get you know your opening credits and then the song but as soon as i heard that song like this is this, this is great and it just sets up for the movie so nicely and then when you see like that you know cannibal holocaust right on the screen with that song i was like oh this might be uh this might be good and it was good there were a few i wanted to quickly talk about some of like the crazy shit in the movie because like this movie had some stuff that like i have not seen before and one scene that is definitely going to stay with me i don't know if it resonated hard with you was a scene uh with the guy punishing this woman for adultery yeah it was pretty rough that was fucked up (laughs) it was fucked up and Uh, i've never seen something like so unapologetically fucked up in a movie before i mean like i i'm talking about this movie it it was really gross for me i mean if you're someone who uh browsed you know R slash watch people die and you were like this is so epic and you would watch a school bus explode on live leak and you would go on 4chan and have a little gore thread and that would get your pp going uh then yeah this movie might not hit you that hit you that much but i mean for me at least i was like like fuck um but there's a scene where the professor and the two guys are going and and they have a captive tribesman or whatever um and they stop and they see this guy like punishing this girl in the mud and then he starts like shoving this rock uh into her over and over again and then he takes like mud and sticks and stones and shoves that inside of her and i was just like jesus christ man it was rough that is rough and i'm i'm not condemning the movie for it because i think i i mean you have to you you have to explore that sort of stuff in in art and i'm i'm not opposed to it but i mean it was obviously obviously effective because i'm still thinking about it today no yeah that was that was a that was a very rough scene i would argue that's of all the controversial scenes in the film that was probably the most shocking one and it may be due in part to the fact that it's really the first shocking scene of the film as it's the first encounter um, 
that the Professor Monroe and his escorts have mm-hmm. uh, with the cannibal tribes. Um, no, but there's but there's a quite a lot of this movie basically has everything under the umbrella in terms of like the abortion. There's a boy. There's like a, a, a horrid abortion scene. Like there's like genital mutilation for men and women. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of rape. Yeah. Uh, and it's not easy to watch. And there's a lot of, of course, violence and killing and and flesh wounds and 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 so on and so forth. Particularly, one of the hard scenes to watch was right at the end of the Green Inferno when. Um, they are filming. Basically, Faye gets captured after Jack has been killed, and they're running away from the natives. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, what they do is they undress her and they gang rape her. Yeah. Um, and th- this was a, another great moment of the film, and this is why I like the Green Inferno so much. In particular, was they don't say anything in the film. We just witness this happening through the lens of the camera. But yeah. you have to, but you have to understand, and you have to sort of ruminate on the fact that the friends of this woman are simply taking this video in for the purpose of showing to people later, without any thought or care to her well-being. Mm-hmm. And it was, and that was, it was great in that way, and and that's in particular why, like, the Green Frodo not just works as like a documentary that fits in like the thematic mold of the movie, but it also works as like a kind of character study on these horrible, horrible people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really effectively done. Well, the, I'll have to say the acting for, for example, from Francesca in the scene is exceptional. Uh, she does, she does great in this. So this is another highlight, of course, maybe not the most flattering scene to excel in, but you know, it's that's show business, baby. That's but, showbiz. Hey, you know, Hey, you know what? Hey, you know how be. You know what you gotta do. Um, and the movie overall, I think, is, I think, has endured as long as it has, in my opinion. And I would say that a big portion of the cult following is because of the Green Inferno portions. And I don't know if you would agree with that. You know what? I I like the Green Inferno portions, but for me, because we had so much shocking shit at like the first. They're the second and like second and third fifth of the movie when it got to like the end and you saw that final scene of all of them individually dying it wasn't that poignant to me um, well it, i mean part of it is uh part of it is comeuppance because these people are so terrible that you No, i get like... that i i definitely yeah. get that but i was like the tv execs when they're like so disgusted about it i'm like to the professor to dr monroe i'm like dude just tell him about this rock incident that you that you saw man that's worse that's worse than this though it's scariest thing for me when i was like i said to myself like oh shit was when the two guys i think Faye's already been captured then the two guys are like running through the forest and then they turn around and they're like completely surrounded mm-hmm. by tribesmen yeah. I was like, oh, fuck. And then they try, like, shooting flares at them, and they don't really care. Um, yeah. One thing that I liked about this movie was it was, like, very much nature just obliterating modern comforts. Yeah. Um, and I, what I mean by that is, like, 
there's a scene at the beginning of the movie where these guys are just going through the jungle shooting these tribesmen with their guns. Mm-hmm. And there's this, and then there's this one tribesman with a, a blowpipe and he just shoots a dart into the guy's neck and he like dies basically. And I just love that idea of like, you can have all of these guns, but if there's a hundred tribesmen and they all just have simple darts, man, like you're done. And yeah. that's, and that's countered, and the force will eat you. And that's countered excellently in like a, a scene, maybe like twenty minutes later, when Miguel, who is uh, one of the uh, guides for Professor Monroe, he strips naked and takes one of his one of the prisoners out to the bush. And yeah. he stands out there and yells, and you see like twenty tribesmen pop up and shoot shoot darts at him, and they fall right at his feet. And he just sweeps them away, and then they shoot mm-hmm. more, and he sweeps them away. And it was a nice sort of juxtaposition there, because you have this man who strips himself naked, uh, and he's more protective than these soldiers with all their training and all their equipment. So it was a nice sort of way of showing that the way to deal with these people is not through force or not through you know modern tactics. It's through getting to their level mm-hmm. and, and understanding them. Yeah, obviously these movies aren't comparative at, well, I wouldn't say at all, but not a lot. Um, again, going back to Apocalypse Now, it's one of my favorite shots of the movie where um, Willard and uh, the cook are walking through the jungle, and then there's a scene of, they're just standing next to this giant tree, and it was just very much the, like nature-dominating man, and I, I love all those nature-dominating man elements in this movie. And I, I really liked it. Like, you know, you can have all of these modern comforts, but, you know, in the jungle, uh, you're just another animal. Yeah, and to me, you know what, it would have been nice to see, like, a little bit more of the sort of focus on the modern civilization side that I think would, like, in my view, if I were, make, if I were to make this movie, I would sort of forego, like, the TV executive debacle or dispute or at least minimize that to give a little bit more context to what's happening in the modern world and and the sort of uh, shortcomings or differences in comparison to the world of the tribesmen or the natives Mm -hmm. but i don't know that's just me i suppose yeah yeah like i and i also I guess I've said like a lot of things that I liked about this movie and I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a perfect movie. Um, I, I don't know if this is a fault of the movie per se, but like a lot of people watching this will get turned off. Um, did you watch this with your sister? No, uh, thankfully I didn't. Uh, I'm going to say that this is one of the best family watches you can have though. Get the kids, get grandma, get grandpa, get the popcorn, and get the cola. Because we can all sit down, have a laugh, and go to bed thinking, man, now that's what entertainment's all about. <laughs> yeah, like some of the some of the acting at times is, is spotty. Um, this is just like an Italian movie thing I've learned. Like, I don't know if you noticed it, but there's a lot of dubbing. Yeah, um, because what happens is that uh, they could speak English, and you can tell because they're pronouncing it but they wanted to cover accents and like what this is another similarity with the gods must be crazy i suppose where they wanted to cover up some south african accents um, yeah like dubbing sorry sorry i didn't mean to cut you off there no continue 
Um, yeah, because I watched the original Suspiria not too long ago, and that movie's pretty much like all dubbed. And I was like, "What? Like, are we watching a wrong cut of this movie?" Mm-hmm. And I I looked it up, and I I guess it's just kind of like a thing. I don't know if it happens for every movie, but it's a trend for Italian movies to just be dubbed. Um, and at times it it was annoying. Like at times it was very clear that it was a dub, um, which takes me out of the movie, obviously, because then I think, oh, I'm watching a a movie and not like being brought into the picture or immersed in it or whatever. Um, so yeah, at times that was annoying, some spotty acting, and I could definitely see a lot of people getting turned off by this i watched this uh with caitlin and she eventually had to stop watching it because it was too much for her um and at the end it kind of it it fizzles out for me um where i think like it had it had such like a strong and a lot going for it and then at the end it just fizzled out and then like some of the effects at the end got kind of weak too like when Faye is decapitated and they hold up her head I'm like wow that is one of the worst prosthetic heads I've I've seen I was gonna say that was that was a one that was one effect that did not seem good and I guess there's even and it's weird because there's even a scene earlier where Jack Anders is decapitated and they take a part of his body and that looked good and yeah, I don't know if they had him like sitting in a hole in the ground, like he put do on the beach or whatever. Or if that was a fake head, but it was it was kind of it was kind of disappointing to see Faye get decapitated, and then it looks like somebody filled a Michael Myers mask with with like um, egg yolk or something. I don't even know. <laughs> but as a small as I, I'm I'm gonna take it that the director ran out of money right at the end of the film. Uh, so he just missed the pace, the budget pacing there. So I'm gonna give him kudos for that, but you know, a little, a little ding there. And you know what? Now that you said, I totally agree that the cuts with the executives like being yuck, yucky, to the the film is annoying. I, 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 uh, you brought me over on that. Yeah, it just just feels like we know that this is yucky, and we know that to sane people, this will be yucky. It's like a laugh track. Yeah, basically, like we we'll laugh. I'll laugh when I want to. Okay, Mm -hmm. you tell a funny joke and I'll laugh. You show me some cannibals eating people and I'll and I'll laugh. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But uh, that's oh well. That's I think that's I think that's a portion that was probably near and dear to Diodato's heart because he wanted to really cover. He really wanted to touch on the media sensationalization um, that was happening in his own country at that time. So I can understand the drive to sort of want to push the sort of naivete or or the incompetence of of the people in the media. Mm -hmm. If John Carpenter hated TV, then Mr. Diodato hates the people who make TV. Yeah. <laughs> and that's and you can take that to the bank. You didn't like this movie as much as I did because we talked about it a little bit last night and I was just curious if you don't have an answer that's fine. Um if you could change this movie um how big or like no matter how big or how small what would you what would you change? 
If I were to do this movie, first of all, I would parse out the green inferno in portions kind of evenly throughout the film. And okay. I would have, and, and I, in that way, I would kind of have it have parallels to what is going on in the present day with Dr. Monroe. I would also have, of course, the a minimized role for the TV executives and stuff, and perhaps focus more on Dr. Monroe's journey. I would have liked for him to be a stronger protagonist, or at least have uh, for him to carry some thematic weight. He basically serves as like an audience surrogate in this movie. Like you're just he's seeing things, and then we're seeing things, and he knows a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think a a little bit better pacing of the film would have worked better for me. I didn't like the disjointed nature of having the two stark halves. And I also thought that having, and this was a very small note, but we didn't need to have this small intro every time the movie's about to start where they like go into the film room, talk a bit and then start up the movie. (laughs) Like it's me and you chatting during the trailers at Cineplex before we watch the new Marvel movie. Like what, what was up with that? Okay. Why? What was that happening? I would have just had the Green Inferno, because it's obvious when the Green Inferno is happening. Because we know, because of the way the movie looks distinctly from the rest of the movie, you could just cut portions into the film without that sort of context. I think at the end of the day, and I don't know if it was an ambition thing. I don't know if it was a relatability to the audience thing. I think Diodato, like, kind of spoon fed a little bit. And I feel like if the movie had a bit more confidence, um, it would have really hit for me. Okay, um, that's all. Fa- that's all fair. Um, one thing that I forgot to say, but I'll say now. One thing that um, I wanted to see more of what were the interpersonal quarrels between the Green Inferno. Uh, filmmakers crew yeah yeah there was one scene where they said that like they stayed up all night talking about whether or not they should like keep filming and i was like damn i kind of want to see that like let me ask you something did you like the parts in uh blair witch when they're like should we we should go home now and they're like no no because the blair witch fucking sucked whoa we will be reviewing blair witch because that is a good movie um well, maybe we'll review the sequel too. We'll see, but the Blair Witch definitely one of the greats. Yeah, the Blair Witch it. when they're walking around the forest, and then I see a pile of rocks, and then they just keep talking for an hour, and then at the end, a guy is looking at a corner taking a pee, and I'm supposed to be scared or something, and there's sticks. Um, in, a, in, a tree. in a sense, the Blair Witch is sort of the opposite of the Green Inferno or Cannibal Holocaust, whichever. In the sense that Cannibal Holocaust is shocking you with what you see, and the Blair Witch is trying to scare you with what you don't see. So, you know, that's kind of ambitious, right? Sure. Um, <laughs> did, I don't know if you did this as a kid, but when you did you go to, like, DVD stores when you were a kid? Like, Blockbuster and stuff? Yeah, I actually went to, down in St. Fatale, uh, which near Sobeys, or I guess now it's No Frills or whatever the hell. Uh, mm-hmm. whichever new corporation took over the our food and whatever um there used to be a place called pick a flick and they okay. used to rent they used to rent games they used to rent movies and you go there and you pick the flick and i that's where we would get all of our new movies we just had disney movies at home so if i wanted to watch something a little more adult 
something PG thirteen, I would beg my sister to take me there, and we pick something out. Um, when I was a kid, I would just go there and I would get uh, a pack of Yu Gi Oh cards and whatever movie, and I had to wait until we were home to open up the fucking Yu Gi Oh cards. And I was like, "What difference does it make? I live in this open." Who made you huh? do that? Who made you do uh, that? Your mom? My, my grandpa. Yeah, Walter. Um, but when I was a kid, I would go and I would look at the horror movie DVDs, and I would always like just get scared at the covers, and then you'd flip to the back, and then you'd see like some preview pics of like a guy in a basement looking scared, and some creepy whatever holding a knife. And I would, like, just let my imagination run about how scary these movies are. And, like, pretty much that's what Cannibal Holocaust is. Or, like, what I thought horror movies were like as a kid. Um, and the Blair Witch Project is, like, um, your grandma telling you about how back in the day a burger was a hay penny and a <laughs> couple strands of wheat. And then at the end you're like, all right, well... Great. Uh, see ya. Yeah, look, I'll say this. Uh, Roger Ebert gave the Blair Witch four stars. So. Was that yeah. was that posthumous, Robert Roger Ebert, no, or stuff in was, his face, Roger Ebert? That was that was prime of his life, late nineties Ebert. Okay. okay? Yeah. So, you know, think about that. For a second before you talk shit about Blair Witch. Shit. Oh my god. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Mr. Ebert. You should be. Yeah, I don't know if I have much else. It's a move it's uh it's not a long film, by the way. It's an hour and thirty minutes. Uh it feels longer. It does feel longer, and I think that's it could be doing the part because there's the movie does a lot of jumping back and forth and there are sort of a lot of moving parts happening, but it's a pretty, it's a, it's, it was a, I would say, you know what, upon reflection, it's a film that you might appreciate more once you kind of leave the shock value behind. Because if you're saying the first thing on your mind after watching this movie is, wow, they, uh, they really went there and there and there and there and there, uh, at several occasions. But, I think this is a movie that is lacking in some aspects. I think it's worth the watch. I Question for you, and I guess it's the one thing that we haven't addressed yet. Why do you think it has the cult following it has, besides the fact that, you know, controversy will always, you know, garner cult followings and such? Remind me that I have something to talk about afterwards. Um, but... Uh... <sighs> I don't know, maybe there are other movies like this, but I've watched, like, you know, a f quite a few horror movies now, and this was this was out there, and it was unapologetic, and just super, super primal. Um, more buzzwords for you, but, it like, it's just so intense, and definitely a movie that I'm not going to forget for a long time, and I think that and controversies as well, because any time time a movie's controversial it's gonna have uh, an underground following of you know people who are just gonna be drawn to that sort of thing and well it's interesting to note that it, uh, probably another thing that bolstered its reputation as a cult film is that it was banned in well it was and still is banned in many countries at the time yeah. of release and it was banned in the u.s until like 
five years after release. So imagine when that film came out and you were an American and you wanted to see it. Uh, mm-hmm. It would it would it would be you have to go to like a speakeasy or something to go pick up a copy of that. You gotta go you gotta go talk to the video store clerk after hours if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's it's definitely a film that has a unique quality or qualities, and that's all I'll say. Yeah, the last thing I wanted to quickly mention, we gave props to this for Dawn of the Dead, Night of the Living Dead, and some other movies. The extra acting in this is crazy. Well, and you know what? This is, and you know, last comparison to Gods must be crazy, but they actually did use natives in this. Um, yes. No, they were not cannibals. Okay. <laughs> Um, they were they were just people trying to live, but they used the real natives as the natives, and mm-hmm. yeah, the natives do a good job. Like I don't know, they, like they're crazy good. They, there's like full suspension of disbelief there. Yeah, I can definitely see. Like if I was in the eighties, seeing this movie, maybe not like the first half, because like I, I don't like clearly the first half. Is fate is yeah is a yeah, but yeah. like the green inferno stuff, like I could definitely see how people would be thinking that that is real. And why would people at the time think that you would get real documentary footage and then put a fake movie around the real footage instead of just showing the real footage? I don't know. Sensationalism. They just they just didn't they just didn't get it. They got pleb filtered, I guess. Yeah. You, uh, you ready to go to bags? Yeah, I was going to say, speaking of pleb filter, do you want to give your rank? Yeah, you know what? I'm kind of torn between two ratings right now. Uh, you go first. Yeah, I really liked it. I don't know if I'm going to, if I'm like champing at the bit to uh, rewatch this and get a, you know, 1080p 4K uh, cut of this on Blu ray. Uh, well, I mean, I already have one because I had to watch the movie, so I went out and bought the movie. Um, oh yeah, what? Uh, what? Uh, which? Which version? The theatrical cut. You watched the theatrical cut of the. I was asking what kind of Blu-ray it was, like which version, of, which release. Oh, oh, it's like the blue, like the Blu-ray, the blue. It's blue. Yeah, Blu-rays, the case is blue. Um, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. It's a Blu-ray copy of the movie. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I got look, I bought, the, I bought the movie. Uh, I, yeah, I'm, sh- yeah, I'm sure you did. So, I'm not champing at the bit to buy another copy, obviously. Um, but I did, I don't want to say, like... I wasn't smiling watching it, but it was captivating, and I did enjoy it. Um, so I haven't given this score to a ton of movies, so I'll give it to this one. Well, that's not why I'm giving it, but 7 out of 10. 7 bags out of 10. Yeah. All right. You know what? This There's stuff that the movie did right. And of course, and as you know, if you, if you just listen to the goddamn show, you you've heard what I had to say about the goddamn movie, so I don't need to repeat it. 
Um, I'm gonna. The movie was a little bit better upon reflection. I'm gonna give it not the coveted four bags, but the three bagger, <laughs> the Matthew Pass. I'll say that this is a movie that you should probably watch. There's interesting stuff here. Uh, what do you? What do you? What's your problem? I like honestly like this. This is like. This I'm speaking. Movie... I'm I'm speaking to the fans of film. I'm not talking to the casual viewers who are going okay. out to see Black Widow in okay. July. Okay, I'm talking to the people who are watching this as a cult movie fan. You should probably watch this for historical uh, and for pure shock value. Honestly, you really mm-hmm. got to have your senses assaulted once in a while to really know what it's like to be alive. Uh, don't watch it with your mom. <laughs> You could probably get away with watching it with your dad. Um, take your little brother if you can. <laughs> it's all right. Three bags for me. All right. The three bags is now the new four bags. No, it isn't. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven for three. One, two, three, four, five, six. It's the new four bags. It's done. <sighs> I'm just teasing. You can give whatever score. You can give a million ones. I don't care. I'm giving in no bags. And fuck the show now, too. <laughs> because you said that. Okay? Don't. Don't. Oh, 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 oh. Do we you have want... time for a preamble? I don't know if I can. I <laughs> I got time. <laughs> I mean, I got time, but I don't, I don't. I just don't have the brain power. Well, what's new with you? You know? Show your life. Uh, show my life. Yeah. I don't have anything to show. What did you play uh, Animal Crossing yet? No. Shit! Did you do anything? No, I went to work and then went home <laughs> and then went to bed and then did that again f- uh, five or six times. I'm not gonna say where you work, um, but I know that you have a one customer limit. How's that going? We bumped it up to three, so that was nice. So now we just let people in the store and they can browse around. Yeah, and that, I mean, that, I mean, that one person shit was not gonna work. It was not. It was not working too well. And I mean, I you I can say where I work. I've said because I'm beyond the panel, and this is in the same cinematic universe of of podcasts. <laughs> I work okay. at PMP Games, but okay, I'm not gonna not. say where I work. Why not? Yeah, I just don't need that. Uh vibe out there the 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 kind of the kind of it's kind of a jokerish move when the celebrities don't want to reveal oh i don't i can't tell you my (laughs) i can't tell you my brother's name why (laughs) okay well well, that's for me and no for nobody else cool man (laughs) you're so awesome for that i was um i was just watching a bunch of star trek actor interviews um, just because I think it's interesting to like, I don't know. It's just interesting to go watch shit that you will never be able to see, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like DeForest Kelly is is gone, so it's just it's just interesting to go back and watch interviews with them. If that like, I don't know. It's just kind of like there's a disconnect there that's just interesting, but. Um, I saw that Nichelle Nichols is doing her final um, convention. I'm like, shit, I shouldn't, like, I kind of want to go to that. 
Well, you know, Nichelle Nichols is doing her last convention, but you can always just, you know, go to her house. And That's true. Unsolicited. I mean, hey, I, hey, it, I'm sure she's used to it at this point. Oh, God, can you imagine? Oh, I can imagine. Nichelle, I know you get this a lot. Please let me in. Please, please, please. Nichelle, um, I know you get a lot of stalkers, but please let please just tell me who would win in a fight between <laughs> Spock and Kirk if Spock didn't have the Vulcan nerve pinch. Just be Nich honest. <laughs> Nichelle, I know you've never heard this. I am your biggest fan and Please give me your underwear. Please, just one pair. <laughs> just one sniff, and I'll, I'm out of here. I promise. I'll never bother you again. Are we going to do another Star Trek episode? Uh, eventually, yeah. But you you didn't seem that interested in it. But I, I would like to do... I'd like to eventually... Uh, there's no rush, but I'd I'd like to do... All like all the original six movies, and then Nemesis. Uh, I would do First Contact, and then I'm I'm out. And then we're gonna do Generations. Insurrection. Generations. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. So dumb. And then we're gonna do Into Darkness. Oh yeah, good movie. You know what? If we do, if we do all six of the original, we'll have like a, like I said, we could do like guilty, like cop picks. Uh, we could do like oh nine. I'd actually like to note that. Um, guess which movie of all the Star Trek movies has an Oscar? Um, it's oh shit! Oh, an Oscar? Yeah. Is it oh nine? It's oh nine. Oh shit! There was. I think maybe it was Undiscovered Country that was the only one to win like best science fiction as a uh, uh like it, is it a Raspberry or a Razzie? What I don't for oh the the Razzies like for the like the anti Oscars. Yeah, yeah. I think it was Undiscovered Country. Uh, which was a good movie. Holy shit. Because let me tell you, The Final Frontier fucking blows. That is, movie is so bad. Is Nimoy in that one? Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, let's see who uh, directed it. Hmm, William Shatner. <laughs> That's weird. I thought, uh, you know, I thought... You know, Star Trek fans lead me to believe that Mr. Shatner was the man. Dude, like, I don't know what the fuck it is with Star Trek fans and their, like, insane, insane level of cope when it comes to William Shatner. I don't understand it. I'll watch uh, any video of, like, any of his, like, castmates talking about hating working with him, and the whole comment section is just like, clearly these people aren't real actors because they don't understand the pressure that one goes through, and they can't memorize everyone's names and be nice to people all the time. They're there to do a job and to go home, and, like, I was watching this short clip of George Takei talking about how he worked, like, working with 
Bill Shatner. He would he wouldn't even remember his name or like Walter Koenig's names, and like and people were like, George Takei is a sick man. Just look at the things that he says. He this man like has a gross grudge, and I'm like, what the. You and he, wrong and, with you guys? And, and he's gay too. That's yucky. William Shatner's <laughs> a real man. He has sex with alien girls all the time. I I don't know what it is. What Shatner stands? I like. I really don't. They just did, saw this guy trying to act like Marlon Brando, and they got a hard on for it. <laughs> how do uh, Shatner fans cope when they when they see that the only majorly popular thing that he did after Star Trek was a TV police procedural and then he just got fat for the rest of his life. Just riddle me that one, guys. Uh, comment on the Cobb Instagram if you can defend your position. Uh, I just don't really see... I just don't really get it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what it is with them. But yeah, uh, I would like to do... Uh, I would like to do all of them. I think it would be fun. Um, I think all of them, you know, Philip J. Fry said it best when he said, you know, what's a great six movies to watch the original Star Trek movies because they average out to a pretty good time. And you know what? <laughs> they do average out to a pretty good time. You know, motion picture will bore you most likely. And the final frontier, it's like, holy shit. Uh, but the rest, like Wrath of Khan is great. And then the other three are pretty good. They're all really good. Well, we the problem here is that that uh, your uh, your your ratings are consistent except when it comes to Search for Spock, which breaks the infamous rule of every pair movie is or every even movie is good and every odd even movie. I don't know who told you that because Search for Spock, as Roger Ebert is your keeper, he gave it I think four stars or three stars. Hey, you know, three stars. That's that's like. Would you be would you be satisfied to get three stars on a test? No, and it not, and it has eighty really. percent on Rotten Tomatoes with an audience score of sixty one. That is brutal. What the hell? I guess the fans don't like that one. I don't know. Bill Shatner is in having sex with women and what of? Who cares? <laughs> you got anything else you say? Uh, Want to say before I fall asleep? Yeah, I'm looking at this review of Star Trek Three and this. Um, Critic review here is Christopher Lloyd exclamation mark by Stefan Berger Stephenson. I hate Rotten Tomatoes critics so much. <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes critics are just all critics. Can I be one of these guys? Hey, if we get enough clout, we can get on there. One of the best of the series. Uh, Emmanuel Levy gives no review with the original score of 2 out of 5. Hmm. Oh, what did Ebert say? This is good, but not great. This is a good, but not great Star Trek movie. A sort of compromise bet between the first two. Eh, kind of base, kind of. Um, yeah. Uh, anything else I want to talk about? Um, none of you gave me money in RuneScape yet. Please do. Uh, Nobody plays I'm, that game. Huh? Uh, what, what are we doing next week? Tell the audience. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's actually important. Uh, next week is Samurai Cop, Chatterai Cop, and 
And after that, do you want to do Day of the Dead? Yeah, why not? Alright. Um, yeah, and then did you want to do, to finish off the month, Dazed and Confused? Let's do it. School's out for summer. Well, school's already out, but we'll pretend that's not the case. And then next month, all your picks, baby. All my picks. We're talking the social network. Mm -hmm. We're talking social network part two, uh, commentary edition. We're talking a discussion on why Quentin Tarantino said it was the best movie of the last decade. We're talking the Facebook movie. We're talking Jesse Eisenberg. Okay, I'm going to give you guys the Eisenberg pill during Matthew Month. And I don't and know if you're ready for it. Are you going to show them the interview? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, look up, if you can, Jesse Eisenberg awkward interview he has with this uh, lady. Uh, the funniest shit I've ever seen in my life. I love Jesse Eisenberg just because of this interview. Uh, Luke kind of had the opposite reaction, though. Yep. Also, you know what I watched last night? Uh, what? Where No Fan Has Gone Before. Oh, and how was that? Uh, it was even better the second time. Like, now that I've pretty much watched... I still have to finish the animated series, but I've pretty much watched... Which isn't canon, I guess. But I've watched all the original content, so... There are so many, like, references in that episode. It's insane. There's too many. Futurama, after you watch Star Trek, Futurama's not the same because it's just Star Trek 2. It really is. Star Trek 2, it's just Star Trek Simpsons. These there guys, are like, you got Star Trek on the brain. There are so many episodes that are, like, could easily be a star trek episode like when they go to that planet and then there's that rock monster and then he teaches like he separates the men and women or whatever and or no he puts them together and like teaches them how to cooperate or something uh there's that episode where leela like falls in love with like that shape-shifting man who says that he's also a cyclops and he takes her to his planet and it's like ancient greece and then he has a ton of other weird mutant um alien gfs that he's all been shape-shifting for and I, it's just like so many ep i mean the first line of the show in the like in space pod 3000 is a star trek reference mm. anyways uh instagram uh, apple podcast spotify umfm.com you know you know how it be you know the drill. Hit it up. Tell your friends. And if you don't have any friends, get one. Message yeah. us. We love to be your friend. Yeah, I'd love to be your friend. Uh, just send a couple of pics first and uh, we can get this ball rolling. Like. <laughs> right. right. Anyway. Hey, Derek yeah. Chauvin. Hope you like prison food and penis. <laughs> He's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna get Epstein, bro. He, he's he gonna get the much. fuck beaten out of him in prison, <laughs> or he's gonna kill himself first. One of the two. He's on suicide watch right now, actually. I'm sure he is. Like his life is like he is so fucked. 
He is so fucked. Can you imagine that little white boy, the little whitey going into prison? Holy fuck. Go white boy, go white boy. <laughs> go. Damn. All right, I'm, t- I'm too tired to speak properly, so I gotta go. Alright, pick Kirby for me. No. Alright, uh, well, fuck you then. Um, Alright, see you guys next week. Love you. Yeah. <laughs>